welcome to this episode of Disease Du Jour on the topic of quarter cracks and toe cracks in horses with Dr. Steve O'Grady, owner of Virginia Therapeutic Therapy. The Disease Du Jour podcast is brought to you in 2022 by Merck Animal Health. Dr. O'Grady worked as a professional farrier for a decade prior to obtaining his degree in veterinary medicine. He worked in Virginia with Dr. Dan Flynn at Georgetown Equine Hospital for 10 years. Then in 2003, he opened Northern Virginia Equine in Marshall, Virginia, which was devoted to foot disease and equine therapeutic therapy. Dr. O'Grady's practice currently is in Keswick, Virginia. It's a referral practice that provides advanced services in equine podiatry. O'Grady sees referral patients at Georgetown Equine Hospital in Virginia and Palm Beach Equine Clinic in Wellington, Florida. Thank you, Dr. O'Grady, for joining us today on Disease to Georgia to talk about quarter cracks and toe cracks in horses. <laughs> Thank you for having me, Kim. It's always a pleasure to talk with you. Well, I always learn so much. It's, it's almost a selfish pleasure when I get to include you on the show. So today, this is something, I mean, you have a lifetime of experience as a farrier and a veterinarian dealing with these quarter and toe cracks, and not just in horses here in the U.S., but you have worked around the world on working equids. So in speaking to veterinarians, what's the first thing that a veterinarian should do when he sees a quarter crack or a toe crack in a patient? Good question, uh, as always. I think we should start off by defining what a quarter crack is. And uh, as you know, the equine hoof is going to have lots of different cracks. It's going to have different uh, areas with defects in it. A quarter crack or as we, we consider our quarter crack that, that is uh, something to be concerned over, is going to be a defect that originates at the coronary band. In other words, the coronary band ruptures or fractures, whatever word you want to use. And then the crack is going to migrate toward the ground. A lot of times you will have surface cracks that go all the way from the hoof all the way up to the coronary band, uh, or you may have find a defect at the ground surface of the foot and perhaps you don't trim the foot appropriately and that crack is going to sort of migrate up toward the coronary band. So the serious ones are the ones that we uh, that we encounter most frequently or the ones that are of concern are the ones that originate the coronary band. Now the toe crack is a little bit different, not quite as common as the quarter crack. That's going to start right in the middle of the toe. And again, it's going to go ahead and it's going to originate at the coronary band and migrate distally toward the toe. And it's generally going to, which is interesting, it's going to stop probably a, a short distance from the ground surface. And it doesn't look like that sometimes at first, because when you see a toe crack, you're always going to have a confirmation in the front of the foot such that you're going to have a dish or a concavity there. So it's going to have a little bit of a hollow there. So once you trim that toe back properly, you'll see that the crack doesn't extend all the way down to the ground. The interesting thing about the toe crack is that it's movable. And this is what causes the pain. It also causes the the problem when you you need to go ahead and stabilize it so it will heal. When the horse puts his foot on the ground, puts weight on it, that crack is going to close. When he lifts his foot up, and it makes sense how the foot functions, when he lifts his foot off the ground, it's going to go ahead and open. So um, there's a little bit of 
tricks there that comes uh, with with repairing as well. One thing I want to I want to throw out there is that uh, you mentioned earlier on we've had a lot of experience with uh, with with working on in underdeveloped countries and in these projects where we go to poor countries and 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 provide veterinary care. Very rarely ever see a quarter crack or a toe crack in these countries. Reason being is that these horses, mules or horses, very rarely wear shoes. So having said that, you very rarely see a quarter or a toe crack in a horse that is barefoot. Therefore, it, it is a function of putting shoes on, how the foot is trimmed, and obviously the, the, uh, the job the horse has to do. In other words, the work he's involved in. And you see it a lot more in, in competition horses because they're having, uh, they're having a lot of stress. In other words, they're, 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 they're working at, um, they're working at high intensity and, you know, putting a lot of load on their foot. Okay. And let's talk about, I mean, you kind of started this already, but let's talk about causes. You had talked about the competition horses and, and these cracks can be, can be career limiting or even ending in some of these horses. So what are the causes of some of these? Yeah, career career interrupting maybe maybe a little bit of a better word because uh, when you have a full thickness quarter crack, a lot of times you're going to have uh, it, full thickness means that it goes all the way into the dermis. In other words, the inside of the foot. Uh, this is usually accompanied by uh, bleeding in a lot of these cases, and then obviously if 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 you have a fracture going all the way through, it's moving every time the horse. Move so it's obviously it's going to cause um, it's going to cause a little pain. Now, if we look at the hoof capsule that is uh, uh, associated with a quarter crack, I have in fifty years I've very rarely ever seen a quarter crack that is not associated with a horse with what we call a sheared heel uh, conformation. And what that means is that you, if you turn the foot around and look at the heel area or you look at the foot from the back or pick it up and look down at it, one heel bulb is going to be displaced markedly uh, higher than the other side. In other words, if you drop the line across there, the heel bulbs are not going to be even. One is going to be displaced upwards. When one is displaced upwards, that comes from increased load on one side of the, uh, of the horse's foot. Um, and in the majority of cases, and, you know, we always have ones that, that throw us a little bit of a curve here and there, that horse is going to go ahead and he, when he walks, he's going to contact on one side of his foot and then he's going to load the other side. So in other words, he doesn't have symmetric loading. He has what we call asymmetric loading. And depend, then this is where we get into the horse's foot conformation, the farrowry and whatever, because Unfortunately, right now with Fowry, you know, Fowry is a little bit divisive. So a lot of people have uh, different ideas about the trim or how horses should be trimmed and shod. So this variation sometimes can can lead to this uh, uh, this abnormality or this uh, uh, this type of hoof conformation. Let's put it that way. Um, 
when when veterinarians look at this, um, it, this is why I sort of strive to 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 um, provide the information for veterinarians so they so they have a knowledge of the horse's foot, how the horse walks, what the the good conformation. I hate to use the word normal conformation. What good conformation is? Uh, what if you know good conformation, then you know abnormal. And how do we um, direct the 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 cause of something like this or change the conformation which we have to uh in a horse with 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 a sheared heel so what i'm saying in a in a in a, in a nutshell is that that i think farriers or uh, i'm sorry veterinarians need to to be aware of the different different foot conformations the different causes of these cracks uh horses that you know how they land and how this process will lead to some kind of a defect in in uh, in the horse's foot. Well, and what you're saying, and and if I can interpret this for our veterinarian audience, is that hey, vets, when you're doing your physical exam, look at the feet, see if there's a problem in the making that you might be able to help the owner and the farrier adjust in order to keep this horse sounder. Absolutely, I think that's a very good point. Now let me go to, to one other other uh, point there that when these horses land asymmetrical uh, like this and horses that have a, a marked sheared heel or displacement of one heel bulb there, that is basically driven by the horse's conformation. Um, and if if you have a horse, op, for example, with a, uh, a, a narrow chest and his, his forelimbs are rotated, laterally what we call rotational deformity uh that horse is going to break over such that he moves toward the outside and then when he goes to accept weight his foot's going to come in on an angle so he's going to contact on one side of the foot and then he's going to load on the inside depending <clears throat> depending on the foot conformation and the fowry that's involved is going to give you the intensity of how much he's going to overload one side of the foot when you overload the side of the foot that is being displaced, this continuous repetitive overload is what's going to lead to a uh, a, a fracture or a quarter crack or you know uh, something on uh, on that order. And if we reverse this process, then that's where the that's going to start our our our, our treatment process. Uh, I don't want to. One of the things we do is is um, we want to go ahead and uh, right away we want to go ahead and we want to repair this crack. And a lot of times, um, uh, especially owner um, pressure is going to dictate that you know we need to work this horse now. We want some kind of repair on here, and then we'll go about our way. Uh, my thought process there is. I'm more interested in what's causing this. Let's take the cause away. Let's direct the cause. Let's discuss it. Uh, let's change that. And once you change the fiery, you change the conformation of the hoof capsule, this crack or defect crack, whatever you call it, is going to start to heal without, without putting anything on it. So I'm always at the, uh, you know, my philosophy is let's go ahead and, and attack the cause of it rather than just put a band-aid on it for a period of time when it will go ahead and and uh, 
uh, reoccur. And when it reoccurs, you have to remember that every time it reoccurs, you get more of a scar in the lamellae. Uh, you know, the attachment of the uh, hoof capsule to the uh, to the bone. So each time it it uh, it, it fractures or it, it opens up, you're going to get more scar tissue in there. So it's going to make the more course more prone to to opening up. Uh, one thing I want to say by my sort of races forward is that uh, you still hear in the farrowry world that uh, this horse this it's landing asymmetrical it's not landing flat well that confirmation of the horse is dictating his forelimbs is dictating how he lands you cannot change that you can adapt you can maintain it you can uh, improve the landing improve the hoof capsule but you can't make that horse land flat if you do then you're defying his confirmation I think that's worth saying again. So many people want to fix that. So say again, if you have a horse that's not landing flat, you can help it. You can help adjust it. But if you correct it too much, yeah. you're talking. And, yes, then you're defying his confirmation. And you're creating more, <clears throat> you're, you're creating more problems. In other words, his, his, um, uh, his limb, the way the way he moves forward, if his knee is is rotated toward the outside, that's the way his his breakover is going to be on his foot. If his knees are straight, he's going to land flat. Uh, if he's rotated inwards, he's going to, going to load the other side of the horse's foot. In other words, if he's got a toe in conformation. So it's really important not only to look at the hoof. The hoof is going to tell you uh, when you have. A hoof capsule distortion, we have to remember that we have excess load on one section of the foot over time that's creating that distortion. Therefore, we look at the horse's feet, we look at the horse's conformation, and then we always take a few minutes. Let's, let's watch that horse walk. How does he land? Does he land flat? Does he land heel first? Does he land toe first? Does he land asymmetrically? In other words, does he land on one side of his foot and then load the other side of his foot. And uh, again, it's, it's mostly it's dictated by confirmation. However, and, and you and I have talked about this before, and I just bought, bless his heart, a, uh, an 11-year-old quarter horse gelding who had had a, uh, say, less than O'Grady-style trim that, that has such a long toe and such a low heel it is going to take me probably three trims to try and get him back. So not everything is confirmation. Sometimes it is caused by the farrier. Well, you know, I, 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 you know, I am a farrier, and I'm very reluctant to say, you know, uh, you know, it's the farrier's fault. Let's uh, let's let's look at this together vet farrier or uh, yeah usually need to have some discussion with the farrier you know have a have a have a discussion rather than 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 you know uh, uh placing blame let's look at it here's what we have now let's go ahead and move forward and fix it and you can fix these you can fix these it's not something that is you have to keep putting a patch on it 
Today's Disease Du Jour podcast is brought to you by Merck Animal Health, the maker of prestige vaccines, Banamine, Panicure, Regimate, Protozil, and other trusted equine health solutions. Merck Animal Health works for you and for horses. Learn more about Merck Animal Health's comprehensive portfolio of products, as well as their unconditional investment in our industry, profession, and community through programs such as the Respiratory Biosurveillance Program, the partnership with Equitrace, which delivers secure, streamlined record keeping and instantaneous temperature measurements when coupled with Merck Animal Health Biotherm Microchips. Visit MerckAnimalHealthUSA.com for more information. So what what is the bad thing about patches? I mean, I've seen a lot of racehorses with patches on their feet. I've seen a lot of performance horses. So what why is it that you want to try and correct the initial problem? Uh, you know, there, there's as many different methods of patching horses, and it's fun. We all like to do it. Uh, there's as many uh, ways to patch a quarter crack as there is quarter crack. So that's a, uh, a, 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 a quote from Dr. Bill Moyer, a great friend of mine who has done as much work on quarter cracks as anybody on the planet. And uh, it creates a, a band-aid. It takes the movement away. And sometimes it, 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 it presents the or it gives the misguided thought that, OK, we have stabilized this thing now to grow out, but we still have the cause underneath there. So when it grows out and I've seen it, you know, dozens and probably hundreds of times when it grows out, what happens is that the horse go, oh, look at it. Boy, I'm, I you know, this this worked out great. And uh, a couple of months later, it, it breaks open again. In other words, we see so many recurrent quarter cracks and so many that I get are quarter cracks that have been uh, patched. They've been treated and whatever by different people. And then they keep reoccurring and they they sort of land in our in our our backyard. And each time they remember each time a quarter crack opens up or ruptures again, you get that increased scar tissue in there. In other words, you don't have that good, viable, flexible lamellae that is attaching the hoof wall to the bone. Therefore, you got a scar now, so it's going to be more prone to uh, more prone to uh, uh, reoccurring. Yeah, that's the, and that's of course the bane of anybody that's ever had a quarter crack is that getting rid of them is hard. Yes, yes, yeah, and they're all driven by overload. No. There, there's no doubt about that. I mean, that's that's. Uh, I mean, that's logic as well. Let's let's move around the hoof to toe cracks. And uh, honestly, a lot of horse owners, you know, when veterinarians are going to be talking to them, they'll say, "Oh, he chipped his toe and got a crack or whatever." And yeah, there there are surface cracks. Yes. But the ones we're talking about are the ones that originate in the, in the defect in the coronary brand and work down. Right, right. And again, these are going to be related to 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 confirmation. And, and again, you know, it's got to be usually pretty severe confirmation. And in in these will reoccur in two cases. Number one, with the horse, as you described earlier on, with the, the exceptionally long toe and the low heel, that means that your heel has moved forward and you have less ground surface back there, but the, the long toe has created leverage. 
And the longer that toe is, that when that horse goes to break over, it puts a lot of pressure on the dorsal section of the foot. And the, the focus of the pressure is at the coronary band. And again, this leverage and this pressure over time is going to go ahead and it's going to stress the tissue to such a point that it's going to go ahead and it's going to, uh, going to open up. The other scenario here is the club foot. And it's interesting here with the club foot is that when you have a, a true club foot, that means if you look at a radiograph, the joint is flexed a little bit. So that means you have a, a shortening of the deep flexor tendon behind, not to get too involved in that. But what happens is that you have uh, your growing uh, excess heel in the back and you're growing less toe in the front. So the front of the foot becomes very steep or upright. And with a low-heeled horse, you're putting the, the, the weight-bearing back toward the heel area. When you have a horse with a club foot, you're putting excess weight-bearing on the toe. So now you start to, to overload the toe. That wall from the overload, those horn tubes will start to bend. You start to get that concavity in the front of the foot like you see a lot of times. And then you go to the point where, okay, We've, we've stressed these tubules enough, so now they break. And you have a, have a crack at the toe. Now, <clears throat> and it makes sense when you lift up the horse's foot, the, the, the hoof capsule, the hoof contracts. So this opens the crack at the coronary band. Uh, uh, and then when you put weight on the horse's foot, the, 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 it's going to, uh, the heel area is going to expand. And now uh, think about it as the heels expand, it goes ahead and closes that defect at the toe. You can demonstrate this to yourself. And that becomes a, a little bit important noticing that uh, or understanding that when you go to repair it. If you're, going to, if you're going to get to the point where you have to stabilize that or patch it or whatever you want to call that. So we've talked about some of the causes and how you can look at the foot and figure out the conformation and the causes of it. We've talked a little bit about treatments, but let's talk a little bit about veterinarians working with farriers. How, and you mentioned before, we all have to be professional. So how do you work with a farrier? If you have uh, someone like me who just got a horse that, that probably needs some attention from the farrier so it doesn't cause these issues. Or if you have a horse that you see the, the beginnings of maybe the dish or some other confirmation that maybe is being a little addressed, maybe a little too hard. So what do you do? How is a veterinarian? Yeah, that, that's a that's a really tough question. And it's one that I know you've worked on a lot, of, a lot, uh, you know, the, the different relations between the two professions, which is which is so very important. And it comes down to two the the two parts I think number one is respecting uh, each other uh, number and and being a farrier it's hard work and you know uh, there's there's all different levels of knowledge and skill and experience and whatever on the farrier side the same thing goes for the veterinary side we're not leaving the veterinarians off as well and. You know, if you have a, a, a veterinarian who's a reproductive specialist, well, you know, he doesn't spend a lot of time looking at the horse's feet. Neither does a, a sports horse medicine veterinarian. He doesn't spend a, a lot of time looking at the reproductive track. 
So, um, you know, you have to have not on the veterinary side, you have to have somebody that has interest in, in that section of the horse's foot. And I think whether it starts at veterinary school or whatever level is, we have to have more interest on the veterinary side in Farrery. So the two professions can have a good, productive, educational uh, discussion between uh, the, rather than um, the veterinarian leaving a, um, uh, a note on a sandwich bag in the barn for the farrier and say, hey, you know, here's what we want to do that he read out of a book or whatever. And, the, you know, the farrier picks it up and, you know, he tosses it to the side. And, well, this is what I do with it. Instead of having, you know, uh, a cup of coffee, meeting together is a great thing at the barn and then discussing it. You know, and I think it's on the veterinary side to take more uh, more of an active role here and say, look, you know, uh, let's look at the cause of this thing. And if, if they understand foot confirmation, then they can go ahead. And uh, if, if you can, if you know what's wrong, you can always take the, the procedure and reverse it. And that's what we want to do as far as uh, as treating it. So it comes down to respecting you know, the, the profession on either side, whether you agree or not, put your, put your egos in your back pocket, leave it at the door and, you know, meet up with some, somebody with a nice discussion and, well, doc, this is the way I fix it. Oh, okay. Okay. But you ever think about while you're doing that, maybe we could also incorporate this. So in other words, it's a give and take and, and the, as much as respect, the other word is communication you know, of talking between the, the thing. And there's not enough of that goes on. And there's, you, you have to admit, you've seen it. We've all seen it. There's, there's a lot of hostility between the professions and it doesn't have to be that way. It certainly doesn't have to be that way. No, there, there is so much that each has to offer. And um, I have worked with some amazing vets and farriers who have learned a lot from each other. Absolutely. On, how to help horses. And that's the bottom line. I think both professions, that is their goals is to help horses. So, uh, you know, I think, uh, as you just said, in order to help the horse, they need to communicate and respect each other. Yeah, I think that, 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 that that's so important. Um, you know, for example, uh, I put, um, uh, I think, three or four uh, farrier days on an AP, and, you know, whatever we could do, you know, uh, we even, through parties, we gave stuff away, and we, we weren't able to attract, you know, very many farriers there. On the other hand, uh, I spoke at the International Hoof Care Summit uh, last January, and I could count the number of veterinarians there on one hand. So it seems like the, the veterinarians, you know, uh, you know, have their uh, continuing education and the farriers have theirs on the other side. We still don't have a way of, of getting them to 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 meet in the middle. And there's been some clinics that have done a nice jobs for uh, of getting uh, something like a root and riddle and a group in Florida and a couple others. You're you're basically just addressing a few people. Um, you know, you know, how many people can you, you know, you can get into one of these, uh, one of these, these seminars. Um, I, uh, I've done the uh, Fowry seminars all over the country and, you know, we'll get 50, 60, hundred people there. Well, I mean, you got 40, 40,000 farriers through, throughout the United States. So, 
um, we probably need more of, a, uh, of, of, of some kind of way of reaching um, both professions and bringing them together. But my focus in the last couple of years is to uh, address veterinarians. In other words, you know, take the fowry or take the the uh, the lameness fowry, uh, you know, foot disease, foot problems, you know, to the veterinarians. Hopefully, you know, with with them gaining knowledge of the horse's foot, they they can better uh, communicate with farriers. If that makes uh, makes yeah. sense to you. Now, that is perfect, and one of the reasons that I love to have you on the show. So is there anything else about quarter cracks or toe cracks that you want to – and I know that there's books written on this, and you could lecture on this for days on end, but just in this brief podcast that you can suggest to veterinarians. Yes, let me – yeah, let me address that and something that I've been interested in a couple of years, uh, for a couple, quite a few years, and been doing regularly now for the last few years, is when I run into a quarter crack, uh, and you know, I've always had the the luxury of dealing with uh, with high level horses, uh, which we see most of the time. And um, owner with with these good horses, owners will take the time with them. And what I try and do with all the horses is, I want to take their shoes off, and I want to leave them barefoot for a period of time, and that can be either ten days, two weeks, somewhere around there. People have got to be reluctant. You know, look, Doc, you know, what are you talking about? This horse has to jump on Saturday night. You're telling me to take the shoes off. Well, uh, I want to do what's best for the horse. And uh, we have we have now case after case documented where we'll take these shoes off. We'll just trim the horse's heels until everything's on the same plane. In other words, the frog and the hoof balls on the same plane. So we're making the 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 section of the horse's foot, the palmer or heel area of the section of the horse's foot, what we call load sharing. And then we'll leave the horse's foot, uh, we'll, we'll leave the horse without shoes, let him walk, uh, let him go out through the country, whatever. And in 10, 7, 10, 14 days, you can take a picture before, you can take a picture after that heel that's displaced will drop down, it will move outwards, the heels will relax, they'll, they'll come down, and the confirmation will improve probably by about 50% in that small period of time. Now you have almost a new, wow, we have, we have a, a revamped area in the back of the horse's foot, and now we're going to go ahead and be able to uh, better apply our fiery. Or leave it barefoot if you want it, but, you know, uh, but apply our fiery. Could we have a whole different section there? And then we trim the horse's feet, uh, as, as we do with uh, all the horses. We look at the middle of the horse's foot, and then we uh, trim the horse such as we have proportions on either either side. There, something we, you know, we we published and you know uh, uh, lecture on over the years. Um, with toe cracks, we don't. Let's not get too involved there. But the whole thing is change the horse's foot conformation. In other words, stop the loading pattern. And in other words, change the loading pattern. And that means that we trim in such a way, and it all begins with the trim. You know, and, and we've talked about this before, as you know. And once you have trimmed, by trimming the horse's foot appropriately, 
heels or toe, what you're doing is you're redistributing the weight on the bottom of the horse's foot. That is the way you address any of these uh, hoof wall or hoof capsule defects. Perfect. Well, and I think that is a great piece of advice to end on today. So thank you, Dr. O'Grady, for joining me on this episode of Disease Du Jour. And we want to thank all of our listeners for joining us. And a special thank to our 2022 sponsor, Merck Animal Health. And we invite everybody to go back and listen to some of your uh, some of our other Disease Du Jour podcasts. So we even have had Dr. O'Grady on before. And if you have any questions or suggestions, you can send an email to me at kbrown, that's the letter K Brown, at equinenetwork.com. Disease Du Jour is a production of the Equine Podcast Network and entity of the Equine Network, LLC.